Let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. You got some neat notes on the back of your announcements. Now you can fill in the blanks as you go along and uh, have fun, especially the young people you guys are wanting to do something in church instead of just listening to your boring old pastor. No, I'm kidding. So now you guys get to hang out and take notes. And adults, you should have a pen and a Bible too because this is what studying the Word of God is like. Amen? Five years ago, March, the first Sunday of 2005, Nancy and I started a church with these young people that were right there, that are on the left-hand side. I preached a message to 12 people. Half of them were my family, my mom and dad and my mother-in-law and father-in-law, so almost half of them. The name of the message was, where do we go from here? That's how I started the church. Where do we go from here? The passage that I used was John chapter 6, and I actually still have it on file. And I was looking over it, and it was just like, oh, Dito. It's like I've come so far since then. No, but it was just nice. I was like nostalgic. I'm usually not a nostalgic person, but I got a little nostalgic. Did anybody ever get like that? Sometimes anniversaries, whatever. And the passage was John chapter 6, and the point was basically the disciples forsake Jesus, only the 12 are left, and then Jesus asked them, do you also want to forsake and leave me? And then Peter says, where else can we go? That's the point. Where else can we go? And so the message five years ago was, are you willing to stay with Jesus? Like, are you willing right now to say, I'm going to go with Jesus and then stick with the journey and say, where do we go from now? It's like after Peter was asked, hey, do you want to leave? He said, no, I don't want to leave. I want to stay. Well, I could see, you know, him looking at Jesus going, well, what do we do next? What, what, you know, all of these guys just left us. What's ahead of us? And I had no idea that For the next five years, I would see and experience the things that I've experienced. Some of those things I want to share with you today to encourage your faith, but I want to put it on the Word of God right here so you can see in context. And I'm going to preach on this at the end, and I promise I won't be long. We're just going to have a good time today. I just want to enjoy the fellowship with you. And at the same time, I want to bless you with the Word that has brought us this far. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, in Christ Jesus. And I want to preach on this at the end, actually, because I want to build up to it. So I want you to go down memory lane with me, and I want you to think of where you were, and I'm going to tell you where I was. 2005, I was a single young man. I was living in a two-bedroom apartment on Addison, and every time the sirens went by, they woke me up. I had an associate degree in biblical studies, When we started the church, we had 12 people in our first service and $100 in the church account that I had taken out of my savings. That's where I was five years ago. Look what God has done in my life personally. Today I'm married with two beautiful children. Amen? 
That is a blessing. You don't have to get excited for me, but I'm excited. Does anybody want to get excited with me? Come on, I'll get excited with you. Just having another child just blessed my soul. Today we're in a five-bedroom house. I have a biblical, a BA in biblical studies. Now I'm getting a master's degree. The church now has over 100 people in weekly attendance, 50 disciples, 10 ministries with SUM Bible College, 70 churches in five different nations, and five books. And over the last five years, we have brought in over $407,000 in tithes and 32000 in missions, including the things that people have done for us, the vans that were donated, the people that came and bought us different things. We have brought in a half a million dollars for God's kingdom. We've come a long way. And so what I want to do is I just want to honor those who came along this journey in a way that I've just kind of set it up. So I'm going to ask those that came to the very first service to stand up. Uh, Jessica and Salvador, would you please stand? David and Monica, would you stand? Would you bless them for coming to the first service and stay standing? Praise the Lord. In no particular order, I want to begin to have you recognize those who came and made a tremendous difference along the way. Ishan Robin came and took on responsibility as being the assistant pastor. Begin to stand as I call your name. Come on, give him a hand clap. Ishan Robin came and they took on the role of being my assistant pastor, doing everything and anything to get the division done. And he took on the leadership of the worship ministry. David and Araceli, would you stand up, please? Come on. David and Araceli came, opened up their house for small groups for the youth, which are continuing to still meet there, took on the adult ministry, and has been a part of helping us in all of our events. Berto, Griselda, and Vanessa, would you stand up, please? Each one of them came at different times but God saved each one of them, and they have taken on the leadership of the crossover ministry. I'm assuming they're in the nursery right now. Is that where they are? Okay. Griselda is the pastor going to be married to Berto, and Vanessa helps on that team. Amen. Adolfo and Lilani, would you stand up, please? Amen. Adolfo, coming to the youth group, getting saved in the youth group, now the youth pastor. Lilani coming, was it to the second youth service? The second youth service coming, getting saved, now the worship leader. And, praise the Lord, excuse me, and Adam Nieves, would you stand up? He was there for our first youth group with four people. Amen? Ricky, Rachel, and Sue Ellen also came and were tremendous helps. Would you guys stand up? Ricky, Rachel, and Sue Ellen. Would all the 201 class stand up? These are the guys and the ladies that make every ministry possible. Would you give a hand clap for them? Amen. Now, if you're in the 101 class and you're being trained and mentored, would you stand up? And we're going to give you a hand clap. Amen. And the rest of you who came to celebrate us, would you stand up with us? And can we all thank the Lord as we all stand and just thank Him. Lord, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. You may be seated. Where were you 
March 2005. Write that on your notes, those who are help, helping me by following along, staying on track. Where were you in March 2005, and where are you now, and what can you give God glory for? Now, I don't want you just to focus on material things. Maybe, you know, the economy was tough. Maybe you don't live in as big of a house. But, you know, who cares? But is your life different? Is your family blessed? Have you increased in your knowledge and relationship with God? Did you ever imagine five years ago you would be where you are today? Now, I want to tell you something. God knew where you were going to be five years ago, and he wanted you to trust him to know that you would be just fine and blessed where you are now. You see, that's what we learn when we look back on memorials and we celebrate what God has done in our lives is we see that God is faithful to keep his promises. Yeah, did I every now and then pray for a Cadillac Escalade? Yes, but that's okay. There's a difference between a want and a need. Amen? Every now and then did I pray, you know, that I could take more vacation? Sure, but that's okay. But in five years, did God keep his word? He kept his word to me. First of all, he said that he would keep me saved. I'm still saved. I'm going to heaven. He then said he would bless my family. My family's blessed. So look at your own life. Are you saved? Are you blessed in your family? And then the things that you would put your hands to, the things that you would work at, the things that you would give your nine to five to, have you seen the increase of your labor? Have you seen what your hard work will do? Did you pursue an education in that time period? Did you pursue a job? Some of you five years ago, you were just about ready to graduate high school. Have you graduated college? Did you pursue a career? Did God bless the fruit of your labor? Now the question that I want to ask you is where do you see yourself going in the future? Where do you see yourself going in another five years? Because you know what? God's already there. Our God is a timeless God, so we have to get five years ahead by going every day. So we have to get there, but how many know God is there right now? He already knows what it looks like. He could take a snapshot and bring it back and give it to you. That's called a vision. He could have you interact in it. That's called a dream. Come on. Where do you want to be? Now, where do I see the church being in the next five years Think about this, 2015, should the Lord tarry. Now, somebody might say, Pastor, we don't even know if Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. That's right, but if he doesn't come back tomorrow, I want to be doing something. Amen? And I think you should have goals in your life as well. Here's some goals that you can see what the church is doing. We're going to see expansion in all of the ministries that are going on right now. I see the adult ministry growing into dozens of small groups all over the city. I see the Latino ministry becoming vibrant and fresh and starting multiple congregations as well of over the city. And I see Polish congregation. I see uh, different Filipino, different nationalities and congregations just like we've done with the Latino ministry. I believe that we'll have different churches in Amer uh, here in Chicago and in America. So people are going to start churches, whether they're SUM graduates or people that are elders now, and they're going to be campuses in Chicago. So I believe there's going to be more than one location in the next five years. I believe SUM will increase from 20 students to 60 students. I believe it's going to be a revolution to this city where people can be trained up for radical ministry, use the foreign mission field and this mission field as a base for training. 
I believe that we'll have a new location with more ministry opportunities. I believe in the next year we'll probably have to go to multiple services here. I believe in the next five years we'll have another facility that will look like a YMCA, that will have a gym and a food kitchen for the the needs, and then also different opportunities with offices and classrooms. I believe in the next five years those of us who are starting our families will rally together and get our homeschool programs together, starting with our four- and five-year-olds. I believe that we'll then offer a daycare to our working families. There's so many now that already want to start it in that storefront now. It's just not the right time. But I see a daycare. And then I see those who who want a Christian education but are just not able to homeschool. I see some of the SUM graduates rallying together and starting a, a private school, a Christian school in this area. I see all of that in the next five years. I believe it, my friends. If God did what he did in the, these five years, if we went from zero to 100, how, that's like 100 times growth. We can now go from 100 to, what, 10,000. Come on, somebody. I believe it. Do you believe it? And then when we say beyond 2015, beyond 2015, what's the church going to look like after it's 10 years old, 15 years, 20 years old? Well, here's what I believe will be one of our 50 campuses. I believe the Metro Praise Campus will be a unique church all within itself. It's going to have movie theaters that are going to act as sanctuaries where 10, 15 can, can simultaneously go on at one time for every age group and people group. It's going to have its Bible college on the same campus. It's going to have a fully functioning K-12 through school. It's going to have a community center with a gym, with a program for the homeless and all of those different things that people need. It's going to have a restaurant, banqueting center, and all of those wonderful things for recreation. And then it's going to have a field with a track and baseball diamond. I believe this will be one of our 50 campuses. I believe that. I believe we will have campuses like this. I believe we will start our 50 metro praises like YMCAs, like they build high schools. They will be on that level. That is what people will call metro praise. And, of course, what does that look like? It looks like 100,000 souls being reached. I started the church when I was 28 years old. That means if I give 50 years to the Lord, that means I will be 78 years old when the church turns 50. How many believe at 50 we can hand another vision to the next generation? They can say, Pastor, we've got the 100,000. Now let's go for a quarter million and let's go for 10,000 churches around the world. I believe it can happen before we reach 50. But in my lifetime in ministry, I said, Lord, give me to 80. That's been my goal. Some of you don't plan enough for the future. Man, I got my years down for having children. I know when we're having our next one already, and I'm trying to talk Nancy into doing it now. Like, I'm just so excited because I don't do the pushing. It's like my part's really easy, amen? It's like, all right, let's have another one. They're so cute. Come on. So, my goals in 50 years will accomplish this, and that's like this generation. Those of you who are here will live long enough to see this, and then I believe after that we're going to go to the next level. So, friends, that's what I want to encourage you with now for the next five years, and every single one of you can have a part of that. It doesn't matter when you came into the vision. It doesn't matter if this is your first time here. Join with us. Let's work together and change the world. Amen? Now, here's today's text. I just want to preach it to you for a few moments here, encourage you as I'm encouraging myself. Look at Philippians chapter 3 again, verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. What do I believe our 
threefold vision needs to be every day of our life. Number one, to know Christ. To know Christ. Number two, to share in his sufferings. And number three, to experience his resurrection power. Number one, knowing Christ. Every day, we need to make it our goal. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus more than I know Nancy. I want to know Jesus. I want Bethany and Hannah to know Jesus better than they know me. Come on, somebody. We need to know Jesus. That's the only thing that's left for us to do. You might say, Pastor, well, I, you know, I've been there, done that. You know, I got a job. I got a family. Now I'm just going to lay back and relax. Listen to me. You can never know too much about God. You can never get to the place where you say, ah, I already know all about him. Think of this. God is timeless. God is timeless. Let me just fry your couple brain cells right here. Just mess with you philosophically. Here we go. God is timeless. So that means God has existed before time. So if we take the days of the earth being literal, being created in Genesis, and we put together the ages of the different patriarchs, we come up with about a 6,000-year-old earth. So as much as we know it, the earth has been around for about 6,000 years. Now, before that, God obviously still existed. And he existed for an infinite amount of time before that. Do you get it? Now, when the world ends, time will be done away with, and then we'll live in the infinite again. But now watch. If you went to heaven right now, and you said, God, I want to know everything about you. I now have this infinite amount of time in front of me to get to know everything about you. Do you know what he would have to do? He would have to start with the infinite that already passed you. Come on, think about it. He would have to start with the infinite that already came before you. So if he's, there would never be a day one, but let's just say there was a day one. It would go on for infinity, and so you would never be able to know all about him in eternity past. Then you would have to learn all of the intricate details of him in the present, and then you would have to learn about his ways for the future. So it will never be boring to know about God. I believe in heaven we'll have a perfect mind, we'll have a perfect spirit, and we'll download information better than we could ever imagine. But I believe there will always be one person that will intrigue us, that will always be amazing, that will always go, oh, uh uh-huh, I didn't know that about you. It will be God. Amen? It's Jesus. Jesus is fascinating. And I want to encourage you to know him, to love him, to spend time with him every day of your life. That's what it's about. Paul, the great apostle, he said, man, I want to know Christ. The second thing he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. How many want to know the power? How many want to know the shika boom, boom, power, fuego de Dios of God? Flowing through you like electricity, working in you the glory of God. How many could say, I have enough power? I mean, how many could honestly say, hey, you know what, God, I don't need any more? I could use some more, amen? How many want to see the dead raised? How many want to see the lame walk blind? How many want to see it more? How many want to see more demons cast out? And then how many want to see the power of God transform communities? I just played the video today of Haiti and them uh, praying and fasting after the earthquake in February. If you haven't seen it, email it to me, uh, email me, and I'll send you the link. Haiti has given their nation back to God. A million people came on the president's, uh, where that, that place was, their White House. A million Christians sought after God, repented of their sins. Do you know that when uh, New Orleans experienced Hurricane Katrina, they still had Mardi Gras? But when Haiti experienced their earthquake, they canceled Mardi Gras and repented of their sins. 
My friends, I want to see God transform America like he did Haiti. Right now in Uganda, they're passing bills to make uh, homosexuality illegal. And you might say, well, where did they get that from? They got that from the Bible, my friends, because Uganda is more of a Christian nation in many ways than we are. Why? Because God is bringing revival in Uganda. Imagine the politicians actually legislating again from the Bible. Just imagine if we began to say, should we abort a baby? Hmm, let's go to the Bible. Oh, should we take God out of our schools? Let's go to the Bible. How many would like to see a revolution come to America? Well, that's only going to come by the power of God. And it's only going to come to those who say, I want it. You have got to seek God and say, Lord, I want to be used. So the next five years, God's already in eternity. I mean, he's already there. He's standing right there in 2015. I just want to know, do you want to believe God for some awesome things? He knows you're going to make it. He knows that you're going to face some troubles, but you're going to overcome them. But can you believe for the power? Oh, man, I'm so thankful for God's power. One of the stories that I want to tell at this point was when we first started the church. And we were renting a Methodist building. It was on Sunday nights, and the pastor was a lesbian. You want to talk about grieving the ghost, amen? But we brought the Sheikabuba there. We, we just loved Jesus while we were there. Well, eventually we had to leave there, and we came here. But we had no money, man. We were just a little old church, maybe like a dozen people, because after my family left, the church went down to like six people, okay? And we came here. And a Latino church rented it out the Sunday morning. They had like five services a week. And we would just have it, you know, on Sunday nights. That was our main service. And then a midweek Bible study. And we only paid $500. But the building itself was $2,000 plus $1,000 of utilities, $3,000. Well, long story short, Ish and a bunch of the congregation came to me and they said, hey, you know what? We need a Sunday morning. Sunday night, it's too hard for us. We have to get up early in the morning. Can we have a Sunday morning? I said, sure, man. We'll go to the Latino church. We'll ask them, hey, can we use it Sunday morning? Because, you know, they can share it. And you know what they said? They said, no, we have church like from 6 in the morning to like 5 at night, okay? Like all 20 of them. Like they were just going to have church all day long. And, and I said, are you serious? This is crazy. You've got to let us grow. And they basically said, well, you know, you don't give a lot of money anyway. And so, you know, the, what can we do? You're only giving 500 That's all you get. And I said, well, if I don't grow, then I can't get more money to buy a bigger building. So I said, you, it's like it's not working. So they said, well, why don't you find another building? And so we began to look for a building. We began to try to find storefronts. Now, what do you find for $500? And let's say I doubled it, $1,000. What do you find for $1,000? Something like the size of our children's room. And we couldn't do it. We're looking and looking. And so finally I come back to them. And I'm like, look, man. We can't find another place to be, and we, we can't go without a Sunday morning. And they said, here, we'll give you this church because this building has been too much for us, and since you're willing to break the lease, we'll just leave it to you, and then you've got to make it happen. Now, at that time, they had the chairs. All we had was the sound system because I knew how to have that. Amen. It's like the big speakers. That's all we had. They had the chairs. And they're like, we're just going to leave now. So you want to mess with us? We're going to leave. And they left the building to us. So we were paying $500 a month flat rate. And now we needed to have $3,000 a month. That is like six times the amount. Plus, we had to have chairs. And does anybody know how much these church chairs cost? $44.75 a piece. And so we needed within 30 days 
to raise $10,000 to buy the chairs, to be able to pay our month's rent, and to get the ball rolling. Do you know that less than 30 days we raised $12,000, and those chairs are here because of that? The power of God. The power of God. There's another story. Some of you are familiar with it. In one of our youth services, we were preaching and we were talking about Jesus. And and one of the youth leaders came to me and said, I think one of the sisters may have an evil spirit. Uh, Of the the girls that were coming, one of their sisters may have an evil spirit. And I said, okay, let's do it at the altar call. So we got the altar call, youth service, little piano playing in the background. And uh, they bring her up, playing the piano, little music. And all of a sudden, I say, in the name of Jesus and this girl says F you you mother effer I'm going to kill you in front of the whole youth group I was like yes I was like you were there brother we like cut off the music Adolfo and uh, David Crosco hold her down and let's cast us out some demons and we saw demons cast out in the name of Jesus Freaked out the youth group, but praise God. Sometimes you got to have the hell scared out of you. Amen? Somebody say the power of God. Amen. And lastly, the sufferings of Christ. How many know it's not going to be easy? It is not going to be easy. Some of the greatest trials that I've suffered, I, I mean, obviously, I've never been crucified. I've never been whipped. I've never been spit on. People have spit at me. So maybe, yes, I've been spit on in that sense. But I've just never been, you know, tied up and mistreated. Paul had experienced that. But I can tell you that I've experienced some suffering. One of the uh, hardest situations that we faced is when we were in between, uh, you know, buying all these chairs, and we were just about 10 people, there was a, a couple that came to our church. They had come out of the homosexual lifestyle, and they were two men. And this man was generous, and I want to honor him, so I don't want to speak of him badly, but he had given us the van, the van we have now, and bought the uh, cabinets and, and put in these track lightings. But he began to uh, slip into alcoholism. And as we began to meet with him, his heart began to become hard, and he didn't want to change his ways. And I remember us having to part ways with him because he did not want to change. And I remember thinking to myself, God, here was the biggest supporter in our church, and now he's gone. Do you know that 80% of church plants don't make it to five years? It's a statistical fact. 80% of churches don't make it to the five-year mark. And one of the things that I've also read is that why pastors begin to either lose the anointing. If they make that 20%, they'll make it, but they'll lose the anointing or they'll just plateau. Is because they won't confront and they won't be uh, disciplinary. That was one of the hardest times I dealt with. The other one, some of you know, there was a family in our church, and we're not naming names, but I'm just sharing you my sufferings for Christ. There was a situation that happened, and as we began to go through it, they didn't want to repent. And as they were leaving the church, we felt so much pain, and so many people were let down. You see, sufferings follow the walk of Christ. There was also an opportunity for me to get on Christian TV and, uh, you know, do this wonderful ministry for the city. And I put so much effort in it. I bought a thousand DVDs and a thousand cases. And I got this camera and I spent hours making these half hour shows. And the deal was you have three months to raise your budget. We'll give you the three months for free. After that, you have to raise your budget. Nobody supported me. It had to die. You see, the Bible says, unless a seed dies, it will be alone. 
You see, but if that seed dies and goes into the earth, it will grow. You see, there was times where when we took up the offerings, we said, man, how can we pay the bills? There were times when we had the right leaders in the right places, and we said, man, if we do this, like the one that comes to my mind even right now is the Latino ministry. We had a couple that says, man, we want to be a part of the Latino ministry, and we want to work hard and build it, but they began to have issues, and when they left, everybody left with them. Somebody say sufferings. So y'all get quiet now. Sufferings. Come on, say sufferings. You see, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Why is it I think that churches don't make it or they don't keep the fire? Is because they're not willing to pay a price for it. Nancy and I made a decision. It doesn't matter who comes or goes from the church. We're going to preach holiness. We're going to believe in godly discipline. We won't let the adulterer, the fornicator, the swindler call themselves a believer and be in our midst. They will not be able to do that. You can fellowship with us and get saved, or you can call yourself unsaved, but you cannot raise your hands and pray and be in our meetings if you choose to live in voluntary sin. You cannot do that here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 commands us not to let you do that, and Matthew 18 tells us that you have to leave. Also, in being a church that has never wanted to manipulate. We said we would never take money and misappropriate it. I said I would never beg of money. They can tell you from the first service that we will just share the offering for five minutes. We'll talk about it, teach it, and then move on. We've suffered because of that. We've had tithers say that because you're not a church that promotes a, a, a false prosperity gospel message we're not the ch- well, they didn't call it a false message but because we weren't a prosperity church they didn't feel comfortable with us listen to me i'm not here to make you rich i'm not here to make you feel good and i'm not here to be your friend i'm here to be your pastor a shepherd and to love you and if you get in a relationship with me and the bible that way you will have a friend you will have prosperity and we'll have a good time but i am i'm saying that to tell you I'm willing to suffer. One last example. Nancy and I were living in Humble Park, and we were living in an apartment because we wanted more space. And as we were living there, the house got uh, vandalized. The garage got broken into. The car got stolen. And it happened, like, all in one week. And then we, we just prayed, and we got strong. Well, we said, if it happens again, we're going to have to leave. Well, about two weeks later, they messed with our car, threw stuff at our window, broke my car window. And Nancy and I said, we've got, I, mean, I just remember Nancy going out to her car and seeing the car window broken and her coming back and she was pregnant and her just weeping in my arms and I just never felt that that, that sense of protectiveness before and I remember saying to Nancy we will find a way out of here we will get a way out of here and we tried everything we ended up first looking for condos in the city we couldn't afford them we then went outside of the city and tried to find townhouses we couldn't afford them we went all the way out to what are we at Joliet we were like so far out there and we couldn't afford anything I came back to my wife and I said we have got to stay here and I remember us going to just driving by one day a house and we went into this house and I just I just got to see that there's another world out there than the world I'm living in so we went into this beautiful house we didn't lie but we didn't tell them we were broke you know what I'm saying so we walked around we let the owner tell us all the do diddles and everything and just kind of at the end I, I, I just said hey would you would you consider maybe renting this to us would you would you rent this house to us and 
We'll take care of it for you. And this was right before the real estate crash. And he was just starting to realize that he couldn't sell it at his price. He said, no, I can come down from 680000 to six forty. He said, but I would never rent it to you. And I just remember being crushed. But I remember God telling us, you stay here. You do what's right, and I'll bless you. And over that next year, Nancy and I lived in that apartment. We had friends with the mice. The mice moved into that apartment with us. We began to pray. We let in the masters, I mean the the SUM students. And then when God told me a year later, he said, now is the time. We went to the house that we went to, and a man told me. It was a nicer house than the one I was looking at, by the way. And we went into that house, and the man said, somebody just offered me full price to rent it, but I didn't like their heart. Something about them didn't feel right. I was waiting for the right person. I'll give it to you, and I'll take off money, and I'll leave everything here. You see, friends, the fellowship of his suffering means, God, I'll live in Humble Park when my car is getting broken into. The fellowship of his suffering means, God, I'll let people reject me when they're rejecting you. God, I'll suffer with you the ridicule when people think I'm crazy because we want to start every church meeting with a prayer meeting. God, I'll accept that. You see, friends, those are the three things we need to know. And in closing, I want to tell you what we have to do to strain forward. Not that I've already obtained all this. So Paul said, man, I'm not perfect. I'm trying to know him more, experience more power. I'm trying to get through the suffering more. I'm doing this with everything I know how. He said, or I already have been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. So here he's going to tell you, I'm trying to take hold of what God has for me. God has a plan for every single one of us. And Paul is saying, hey, I know i got a future in God, and, and it's a great future, and I haven't taken a hold of all of it yet. I'm not perfect yet. I'm working on it. But here's what I do. I forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I press, come on, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You have got to get out of your past and into the future. Even all of the things that we have done these last five years, we have still got to say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Come on, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. There is so much ahead, and the only way you can go forward is by not looking back, but looking at what's ahead and straining, saying, God, I haven't got it all together yet. God, I'm not perfect yet, but what I am going to do is I'm going to fight to get further. I'll crawl if I have to. I'll put my hands in the dirt if I have to. I'll let people make fun of me. I'll let people put me down because I got the power to make it and to overcome. I'm not letting go of what you gave me. You see, we got to hold on to a dream and a vision, and it starts with the kingdom of God. So I invite you, hold on to the vision of Metro Praise with us, and let's take on the devil and press and take down the gates of hell, because he said he'll build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. We will press in past Humble Park. We will press into the workplace and the business field. We will press into Pakistan, into Afghanistan, into all the Middle East and Asia. We will press in. And then for your own life personally, press in for your family. Press in for your community. Press in for your miracle, the thing that you're believing God for. Put the past behind you. Even as good as it was, it can't be where you stay. You have got to move into the future and what God has for you. 
Are you ready to make a difference in this world? You see, I had a choice five years ago. I could have stayed where I was at and did what I always did, and I only would have had what I've always had. The saying is true. You've got to do what you've never done to have what you've never had. You see, my friends, the next five years, and I'm just using, uh, you know, five-year increments here. It doesn't matter. You can say the next year, the next 18 months, whatever you can do to make it simple. But listen, the next five years are before you. Where do you want to be? This cannot just be all there is. We just can't stop right now and say this is all there is. Even if you say, well, Pastor, of course, you're still in the storefront. Listen to me. I don't care if I'm preaching to 20,000 on Sunday. There's still more. There's still more. I don't care if I've seen the dead raised. There's still more dead to be raised. We have to get to the point where we stay hungry for God. Where we say, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in, and I'm sure not going back. There is only one direction. Where do we go from here? Forward. Where do we go from here? Over the devil, up the hills, down the valley. Forward. Where do we go? Forward. Wherever he leads, I follow. Would you stand on your feet and say amen? If you're ready to press on, say I'm pressing on. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know about you. But I gotta press on. <laughs> come on, band, come on up here. Woo! Pressing on. Pressing on. Not giving up. Press on for your miracle. Some of you might have hung your head down and said, Well, Pastor, these last five years have beat me up. The devil's a liar. Press on. It's in the past. That's one thing we all got in common. I don't care if the last five years of your life you became a billionaire. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. If the last five years of your life were terrible or if the last five years of your life were great, here's what we all have in common. It's in the past. It's all in the past. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, look what God did the last five years. Or you sit here going, oh, dear God, look what didn't happen the last five years. No. It's all in the past. Paul said it right here, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead. I just want you to pray, play that song. It came in my heart when I was back there. Hungry I come to you for you always satisfy. That was one of the songs we started with, just kind of being nostalgic, hearing what God is saying to encourage us. My friends, if you want to go forward, I'm your man. I feel like a politician. Vote for me. No, I'm just telling you. If you want to go forward, I am the right pastor and the right person to be around. Because I will fight with you. I will get down and crawl with you. I know what it's like, friends, to limp forward. I know what it's like to move forward with tears coming down your eyes. I know what it's like to leave the most important people of your life moving forward. I know, friends. Come on. I'm with you. We're not going through this alone. I thank God. For the fellowship of his sufferings. You know why? Because I can relate to somebody who's gone through something. Sometimes pastors in the ministry, they make it look like it's so easy, like they've never gone through anything. All their prayers get answered. That's not the way it's been for me. Not all my prayers have been answered. Not everything I went out for happened. But you know what? We're going to get back on TV. And we're going to do it in Jesus' name. Because I'm going to press forward. We're going to press forward with the Latino ministry. We're going to press forward in the youth group. 
We're not giving up. We're going to press forward in the adult small groups. I don't care if all the adults leave. Listen to me. We'll wait for them to become adults. Amen? amen. We will have an adult ministry. That's just the way it is. We will press forward. You have got to make up in your mind today. Those three things are your priority. I want to know God. I want to have the power of His resurrection. And I want to share in His suffering. And then you make a decision what it's going to take to reach a goal in your life. And I'm asking you, now that you're here, because when I started the church, there was nobody to even ask. But I'm asking you now, where do we go from here? We go forward together. Will you come with me? I want to go with you. Will you come with me? Doesn't matter how how you are right now. You can start today. Do you want to go with me? Let's go. I'm telling you, man, we'll be standing here 2015. Some of you are going to be married, children, dreams and visions, congregations, jobs and promotions. And we're going to say, where did, somebody's going to say, when did that start? And you're going to say, because I made a decision in 2010 that I was going to overcome. That I was going to wait for the right husband or wife to marry young people. Adults, that I, that I was going to start over now. Whether you had to start when you were 35 or 55, you said, I'm starting now. Think about it. If you're 55 years old, do you want to be where you are now when you're 60 years old? Or do you want to experience things in these next five years that you've never experienced your whole entire life? Step out of your past and into your future. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. God, as I look across this congregation, I see miracles. God, I see people that five years ago, probably 80% of them weren't even saved. Oh, God, but you've done so much in these last five years. And now, God, we desire to press on, Jesus. Lord, every single one of us has got obstacles. For some, it could be the success of the last five years. Maybe you're content and you don't feel like pushing. God, I pray that that person that feels they already know everything, they got everything. God, I pray they get hungry again. God, I pray for the person that maybe the last five years was just devastating. It was hard. Maybe the economy, the family. God, something came in their way and just set them off track. God, I pray now they get back on track. And for the next five years, press. Press on towards the goal. I pray for the young. I pray for the old. That God, the cry of our heart will be, Lord, wherever you go, I'm following. Wherever you go, I'm following. I could just hear it in the heart of Peter. Where do we go now, Lord? Where do we go from here? I'm asking that same question to you.